All right, let's jump into the Word today. We're on our core strength series. We're on the last core value. We've been talking about our 10 core values uh, for the church and what we're building in the culture. We felt like some things that God gave us. So we've been talking about building up our core. That's what this core strength series has been about. So if you get out your Bibles, your iPads, your pods, your phones, whatever you do to look up the Bible, let's open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Yeah! 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Get your sermon notes out. We've been talking about these 10 core values. We've got them all listed there in your sermon notes. You can follow along. I'm going to run through them briefly just to give you an update. Maybe you've not, not been here for all the series and have not been able to catch up on it. Here was, here was the listing of them. First one, we want to be with him. His presence means everything. This is a core value. His presence has got to be a high priority in our life. We do life together. Relationships make us stronger. It's not about ourselves. We don't want any islands. We pull on the leash. Big faith, big risk for a big God. We're going to go after it. We live generously, freely. We receive freely. We give. We bring our A game. Excellence reflects God. We always want to bring our best that we can in everything that we do. We take nothing for granted. Appreciation is fuel for the future. Be grateful for where you've come from and it helps you launch forward into the future. We go low and we grow. We want to stay humble and teachable in our life, not get too big for our britches is what we'd say around here, but stay humble and teachable. Uh, we live with honor and integrity. We value people and what is right. We pursue our green. We live from and for his purpose. And then the last one we're talking about today is we are building his kingdom. It's bigger than us. Building his kingdom, it's bigger than us. Notice how he did the font change there because I want us to see that his kingdom is bigger than us. It's not about us. It's not about our life. It's not about who we are as much as it's about what he is doing. So when we say we're building his kingdom, I want us to get that into our hearts. It's, it's bigger than ourselves. It's not just about us. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's see what the Bible says and just give you context again for what's being read here, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to a church. So he's writing to church people. These are believers or followers of Jesus. So when you're reading this, he's already talking to people that are supposed to have a good background or good foundation in church. And so when, he, when he's uh, addressing them, I want you to understand who he's talking to. And so when we see some of the things he has to say, here's verse, verse one of chapter three. Paul says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you're not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Notice what he's talking about. He gives a parallel between carnality. Now, carnality is just fleshiness. In other words, we're not leaning into the spirit of God. We're doing things according to our flesh or what we want. So he says, here's what flesh looks like, or here's what carnality looks like. When you have envy, strife, or divisions among you, he says you're, you're behaving in a carnal way. So he's trying to make it clear to them and give them an idea on what he's wanting them to grow out of. Again, he's talking to believers. So does that mean that Christians, Christians can still have envy, strife, and divisions? Yeah, absolutely. So he's telling us, he's warning us that even though we can be born again and be Christians, we can still fall into this trap of letting envy, strife, and divisions rob us of what God wants us to have. He's just giving us some coaching there. So look, he gives an example. Verse four is a prime example because you know, church people's like, what, us? We don't have any divisions, envy, strife. 
We're believers. We're followers of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They pull out all their Christianese, but he says, okay, let me give you an example what I'm talking about when I say envy, strife, and division. For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Here's what was taking place in the church. Paul was a leader. Uh, uh, once some, you know, he spoke, and there was a following of Paul, and then there was Apollos, who's a very eloquent speaker. He also had a following. So he said, here's what I'm talking about. Some of you in the church are saying, well, we're of Apollos, and we don't follow those Pauline people. Well, we are of Paul, and we don't follow those Apollos people. Our apostle Paul, he wrote the letters to the church. What is Apollos written? There's a division amongst them. And so he's saying, listen, Paul was even getting onto them. He's correcting them. Paul's not saying, you know what? Everybody who's not with me, fooey on you. He was not celebrating that people were following him. He was correcting the people that were making a division. You're like, well, shame on them. That's terrible. They shouldn't do that. Well, guess what's happening today? Well, I'm Baptist. I'm charismatic, I'm Methodist, I'm Presbyterian, I'm Pentecostal, I'm, I'm of this. And he says, these divisions and strife, this is not what God wants in our life. So he's saying, listen, we're one body of Christ. We serve one Savior, Jesus. So we're building his kingdom. We're not building our kingdom. We're not building Crossroads kingdom. We're not building our church. We're building his kingdom. So this is what it's about. It's bigger than us. This is why we can't get about us and our just little circle and our group. Well, we don't believe like that. I know every church is going to preach different things and teach different things. And it's, it's okay to be excited about your church. It's okay to be happy about your church and love your church. It's like, oh, okay, so should I not like our church? No, it's not what we're saying. It's just saying we don't compare. We don't compare. We don't get insecure when other churches are growing and flourishing. We don't need to pull another church down so we feel better about ourselves. This is what he's wanting in the body. He's wanting unity. Say, listen, there should be one capital C church. I'm trying to think how you're looking and what would be written. I guess it would be this way, wouldn't it? Sorry, sorry. There should be one capital C, and that capital C doesn't stand for crossroads. That capital C is the church of the living God. And so he's listening. He said, get rid of these divisions among you because it's not going to take you anywhere. So we're all, we all should be Christians. You can still go to different churches that have different names on the door. I'm not trying to do away with denominations. But I'm just saying we shouldn't huddle around ours and separate ourselves and say we are better than they. Amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. Core value. Core value. Because he says, listen, uh, for who then is Paul... And who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. You see how he's taking the emphasis off of Paul and Apollos, and he's putting the emphasis in the right spot, which is on God. This is what we're talking about, that we're building his kingdom. It's bigger than us. It's not about us. It's not about what we're doing. It's not about making sure we're, we're the ones that get celebrated. There's a great illustration of this in Luke. And uh, Luke chapter 9, I believe it is. Yeah, Luke chapter, Luke chapter 9, you can find it there in your sermon notes. And I like how Luke's writing this letter, and he calls out John. He throws John under the bus. And he puts his name on it. He says, John came up to Jesus, and here's the story. 
that as they came up to Jesus, John had found some people that were casting out demons in Jesus' name. That's kind of the background of the story. So John comes up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, we saw some people that were casting out demons in your name, but they didn't follow us, so we told them to shut it down. We forbade them. We said, no more, because you don't follow us. And I'm, I could just see John telling Jesus like he was so proud. And Jesus looked at him and said, dude, what are you doing? That's not King James Version, but he just said, <laughs> he said, John, he said, John, do not stop them because those who are not against us are for us. So Jesus himself, the son of God, set a precedent and said, not just everybody who's following, we're not just limited to those who are following me. I'm going to spread the wealth around, and I'm going to let other people do it as well. So that's what I'm saying. We're not going to be segregated and say it's just about us. If Jesus said it wasn't just about him, then we better say it's not just about us. God can move in other churches. God can touch in other regions, other areas. God can use other people. We want to celebrate that. We don't want to be insecure about that. So that's a core value. Let's go on next verse. I think you got that. Verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed or be careful how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. I want you to look at verse 9, and he says, for we are God's fellow workers. Everybody say fellow workers. The word fellow workers, the word just means a partner or a co-laborer to work together with. So a fellow worker is someone who works together. So Paul's saying we are fellow workers with God. So when we say we are building his kingdom, I want you to see yourself as a partner with God. No, really, I want you to see yourself as working hand in hand with God to do what he wants to do on the earth. You are a co-laborer with God. You're a partner with him. You say, wait a minute, are you saying God's not sovereign? Absolutely God is sovereign and he can do whatever he wants when he wants, but in his sovereignty, he chose relationship. He chose you and I because he loves you and as a good parent, he doesn't just want to do for you, he wants to do with you. It's one thing for you to do for your kids over and over. You know, I used to make their waffle and cut them up for them and, and do that for them all, have it all ready and set out for them up to a certain point. And I say, you know where the waffles are. You know how to work a knife. You know how to work a fork. Daddy, can you cut it up for me? No, you're 15 years old. It's time to cut up your... I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but, but at some point, he wants to work with, Right? And this is what God wants to do. And somebody said, well, if, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. There's some things that we will not experience in our life if we will not partner and cooperate with what God wants to do. You're a fellow worker with him. You're a partner with him. You're employed with him. And there's people around you that God wants to touch and he's wanting to use you. You're like, me? Yeah, you. So we are fellow workers. We are fellow workers. And notice what the next, so we're building his kingdom. We're building it together. We're building it together. If you use the word building, though, you've got to think about this word. A building is a process. 
sometimes we don't like the word process because in our culture, we like everything instomatic. We like Instagram. We like news feeds. We like everything fast. We like it quick. We like microwave cooking. We like everything in a hurry. We want it immediate. It's like I'm reminded of the, of the Looney Tunes cartoon where they had the Acme stuff that, that would come and you just drop a, uh, drop a water on it and all of a sudden it would just show up. That's how we want God to move in our life. We want Acme healing. We want Acme deliverance. We want Acme freedom. We want Acme marriage restoration. We want Acme job. We want it quick and instantaneous. But God says, I like processes. Probably one of the most frustrating things about my relationship with the Lord is that he loves building and he loves process. I want everything right now. I want him to tell me what he wants to do. Bam, I want to see it. He says, I like to build. How do I know he likes to build? Look at the wording he used. For you are God's what? You are God's field and you are God's building. So God loves growing and he loves building. A, A field does not produce overnight. You have to plow the ground. You have to sow the seed. You have to water the seed. You have to cultivate it. And then the ground produces fruit. It produces the food on its own. It grows up over time. So please, I want to encourage you. You are growing right now. If you are trusting God, maybe you're not seeing the full corn on the ear in your life like you want to see. You're not seeing all the results you want to see. But I'm telling you, you're growing. Maybe you're a building and you've got to lay the foundation. You've got to put the walls up. Then you've got to put the roof on. Then you've got to start finishing the, the exterior, get it solid. Then you've got to do the inside. It's a process. How many knows we're under construction? We should wear a sign on us that says, please be patient with me. I'm under construction. I'm, God's still working on me. To make me what he wants to be. Took him just a week to make hang, hang the moon, the stars, sun, and the earth, Jupiter, and Mars. Something about that. It's a song somewhere. But we're, we're, under, pro, we're under progress. We're under pro, process of building. Tony Robbins made this quote I think was really good. He said, change is inevitable, but progress is optional. See, because if we're building, then we're changing. And if we're changing, if we're, if, we're, if we're wanting to get progress in our life, we've got to be willing to change. And some people resist change. They say, I don't want any change in my life. What we're really saying is I don't want any progress. Because change is going to happen around us all the time. It's happening. Everywhere you look, change is happening. But progress is optional. And so we want to be people that's building. We want to keep changing, keep growing. We don't want to get static. We don't want to get stuck in a rut. We want to keep being pliable for God to use us and change us into what he wants us to be. So we got to be doing this on a regular basis. So look at the next part. He says, though, but we are God's building. We are God's field. So people, I want you to see this. Building the kingdom of God is not building buildings. Building the kingdom is building people. Notice what he says. You are God's field. You are God's building. So what is the kingdom that God's building? What is the project that God is working on? It's you. It's me. God is building us up. It's not when most people hear about we're building the kingdom, they'll think about a church building. But you got to remember the church is not a building. The church is people. So the kingdom that God's trying to build is not buildings and structures. He's building you. We're building the kingdom of God, and he's wanting to do something on the inside of you. Because building the kingdom inside of us is not, my life will get better if you'll change all the circumstances around me. My life is going to change when he changes me from the inside out. 
And Luke chapter 17 says it this way. Uh, they said, Jesus was talking, he said, they will say, look here, look there, there's the kingdom of God, there's the kingdom of God. No, it's over there. And Jesus said, no, 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 don't fall for any of that because the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. So now when we say we're building God's kingdom, I don't want you to think about something separate from you. I want you to think about God is building the kingdom inside of me. God's wanting to grow us up in his ways. He's wanting to develop it from the inside out because when we become like that, when he pours that into our life, we're gonna be able to give it to other people around us. So we say building the kingdom, it's internal, inside out. He's wanting to grow us up. So let me give you three steps. Three steps to building the kingdom. Three steps. First one, recognize. Two, receive. Three, reproduce. Recognize, receive, and reproduce. Let's look at the first one. First step in, in building the kingdom internally, in your life. Number one, we have to recognize it, and that's the word acknowledge. You have to acknowledge it. So if you're going to build the kingdom, you, you know, that's the, key, that's the core value. We're building his kingdom. It's bigger than us. If I want to build the kingdom in my life, number one, I got to recognize it. So I got to acknowledge. I got to acknowledge. That means I got to become aware of it. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So here's what the word repent. You hear the word repent. Most of the time we hear like, I'm sorry. I need to repent. I apologize. The word repent does not mean I'm sorry. The word repent is a Greek word that means to change the way you think. It's, word, it's made up of two words, one that means mind and one that means to alter or come to a higher level. So he's asking us to come to a higher level of thinking. When he says repent, he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, so I want you to change the way you're thinking. You've got to recognize the kingdom. You've got to recognize that God's ways are different from the world's ways. So the important part of this is if I'm going to operate in the kingdom of God, I've got to recognize that I'm going to have to think differently. I'm going to have to think differently. What's up is down. What's down is up. You know, what's right is wrong. What's wrong is right. We've got to figure out what is God saying. Let me give you some examples. In the kingdom, here's what he says. We've got to love our enemies. That's kingdom thinking. That's not natural thinking. In the kingdom, we bless people who curse us. We don't give them the one-finger salute back. We don't. You know, when someone... When someone comes against you in the kingdom, you don't come against them back. The kingdom way is we don't get revenge. Vengeance is God's. He will repay. That's the kingdom way. That's not the worldly way. I tell you what, you better stand up for yourself and defend yourself. Well, be careful what kind of worldly advice you get. Because sometimes God may ask you to sit there and take it. I ain't going to take that. Be careful, Jesus did. Jesus took it, took it like a champ, pulling his beard out, punching him in the face, didn't utter a word. I would have had something to say. <laughs> but I'm telling you, he, he took it. There, there's times he opened his mouth and he said what he needed to say, but I'm telling you, there's going to be times we have to close it, and we need to know the difference. We need to know the difference. So we, he said, change the way you think. Here's something else. In the kingdom, we give in order to receive. In the kingdom, we give away for free, no strings attached. What? Hey, yeah, we give. Hey, do you need God to do something in your life? Why don't you sow some seed? That's the kingdom way. We give. It's a different way of thinking. It doesn't make sense. In the kingdom, we forgive instead of hold grudges. In the kingdom, we release people that have wronged us. We don't sit there and stew over it all night long. 
We don't keep seeing their face and getting angrier. We, we forgive. That's the kingdom way. So we got to change the way we think. But the problem is we cannot acknowledge or we cannot see the kingdom of God unless we're born again. John 3, 3 says this, unless one is born again, they will not see the kingdom of God. All this way of thinking, all this way of looking at things and acting, we won't be able to do it unless we're born again. It makes no sense. You can't process it. I can't love enemies and bless people that curse me and, and give and, and forgive people. I can't do all that. But once you're born again, he gives you a different perspective. You can see things different. How many of you saw your life differently after you were born again? It didn't say that your whole life changed. All your problems went away. All of a sudden, you looked at things differently. People were still the same. People still thought of you the same. But now you looked at them differently. When you get born again, the Bible says that the, the love of God is poured into your, in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And when you get born again, all of a sudden you look at the world differently. Instead of a victim, you look at the world like an opportunity to love somebody. Praise the Lord. So this is what he's talking about. He says, I want you to change the way you think. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing your mind. We got to recognize in the kingdom, it's going to be different. You're going to have to think differently than other people. You're going to say some things that people's going to look at you and go, you're crazy. You think that way? That's nuts. God's telling you to do what? You know, God just told me to give this away. What? That's crazy. Who does that? Kingdom people. I tell you what, if people done what they did to you to me, here's what I'd do. Da, 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 da. He said, I know, but God told me to love them, forgive them. What? You're crazy. What is that? That's kingdom. That's kingdom. It's a little different way of thinking, but it's going to be freedom. It's powerful. So number one, we got to recognize. Let me give you number two. Number two, we got to receive it. So just because you acknowledge it, just because you recognize it, doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. You got to apply it. Receiving it involves applying, making it your own. You can sit in church services and you can hear sermons over and over and over, but if you don't apply them, they'll never do anything in your life. You're like, you see people, they go to church all the time. What's wrong with it? I will not receive, I will not get any benefit out of something I don't apply. I can hear it, but if it's just going past me and yeah, that sounds good. You've got to apply it. A sermon won't change your life. An applied truth will change your life. When you, when you take the truth of the word of God and you apply that to your life, that will change you. You can hear sermons all day and they'll never change your life. But when you take something from God and you apply it and you say, God, I'm going to do that in my life, look out, things are getting ready to change in your heart. And it's going to change on the inside out. Everybody else on the outside is going to stay the same, but oh, something's happening on the inside of me. I'm, I'm looking different at things. I'm, I see a different perspective. You got to apply it. So here's the scripture I want to use to apply that. Matthew t uh, 610. We sang this song. It's uh, so awesome. We sang it. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So two ways that we got to receive it. Number one is through prayer. And here's the model prayer that Jesus gave. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you're like, well, the Lord's prayer. I know that. But here's something that jumped out of me, the order. Notice what the order is. He says, your kingdom come, then your will be done. It's not the other way around. I was taught that God, whatever your will is, that's what kingdom will come. But he says, no, you bring my kingdom, you'll have my will. The kingdom come, your will will be done. So we've got to get the kingdom to come for us to know what the will of God is. And we will have the will of God determined, will be determined by the, the amount of kingdom we're willing to receive. 
Whatever I will receive from the kingdom is the will that I will get to engage in. So now, what's the kingdom of God? You say, practically, Chad, what do you mean receive the kingdom? How do I get the kingdom to come to my life? Great question. Here's what the Bible says about it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19 says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes, and that word does not understand it could be someone doesn't apply it. So they hear the word of the kingdom, doesn't apply it, then the wicked one comes and the word of the kingdom, doesn't apply it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. His kingdom represents his ways, his viewpoints, and his purposes. The word of the kingdom brings the ways of the kingdom. So here's what I want to make sure you understand. That when, if the word of the kingdom brings the will, and we say that your kingdom come, your will be done... Wherever I will receive the word of God, when I will receive God's word into my heart, the kingdom is coming into my life. It's called the word of the kingdom. And when I will receive the word of God into my heart, then I will get the will of God in that area that I receive it. Here's what I want you to see. I will receive in my life in direct proportion to the word that I apply. So now there could be areas of my life that I am knocking it out of the park. It's going awesome. Man, I am seeing breakthrough. The will of God is working. It's great. But over here in this other area, I'm totally jacked up. What's going on? Maybe I am not applying the word of the kingdom in that area of my life like I am in this area. I'm comfortable with this area. I'm familiar with this area. This is natural. This feels good. But this is a whole new area. I'd be stretching me. It's outside of my comfort zone. So I don't receive the word of the kingdom and I'm not going to operate in the will of the kingdom in that area. Does that make sense? So when it says your kingdom come and your will be done, we've got to receive the word of the kingdom, and then we will experience the will of the kingdom in that area of that word. So this is what God, how God's wanting to build the kingdom in you. He doesn't want you to be narrowly focused that you only receive the kingdom in one area that you're comfortable with, one area that you've been taught, one area that you're familiar with. He says, I want to expose you with other word of the kingdom so that you can open up your heart and grow into different areas of the kingdom of God. So you can experience more of the ways of God. How many understand that we want to experience the ways of heaven? I mean, that's got to be the best, right? If we say, hey, you can have heaven on earth. Well, if he's saying we can do that, how do we do it? We do it through the word of the kingdom. So number one, we got to recognize. Number two, we got to receive it. So the second part, we receive it through prayer. The second part, we got to receive it through pursuit. Say this quickly, we got to pursue the kingdom. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Do we have to seek the kingdom of God? If we didn't have to seek the kingdom of God or if it didn't have to be sought, why would he tell us to seek it? Again, some would try and get you to believe that if God wants it to happen, it will automatically happen. It will not automatically happen in every area of your life. We have to seek it for it to happen in our life. We have to pursue it. He says, if you seek me, all these things will be added. What if we don't seek him? then the converse of that is also true. If you do not seek me, these things will not be added. It just makes grammatical sense. And that's why we've got to make sure we don't try and mix up uh, the doctrine of men and get it confused with the word of God. He says, if you want the kingdom, you've got to seek the kingdom. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Well, Lord, if you want me to have love, you'll give it to me. If you want me to have spiritual gifts, you'll give them to me. No. He says, desire them. Yes. Seek them. Go after them. 
You're not going against God's will. He wants you to have them. You're like, Chad, well, what if I seek them and they don't happen? What if I seek and it doesn't, doesn't come to pass? Your Bible says that if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you will find. And I always had this picture of God like he was some type of, of uh, angry ogre. You know, and he was like, I was always trying to earn my way into blessings. And so it's like, okay, if I do this, do this, do this, be good boy. Okay, then I come to God and, I, and I'm seeking. Then he'll say, oh, boy, you're really good. Here you go. But that's not what the Bible says in Luke chapter 12. He says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I want you to be encouraged today that God wants you to have his kingdom more than you want his kingdom. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's like, man, I want to give you the kingdom. It's not like seek, maybe he's holding back and hiding things from me. He's hiding things for you. Go after him. Go after him. So we gotta, we gotta recognize, recognize and we gotta receive. Third one, we gotta reproduce. Here's a danger in the body of Christ. Sometimes we wanna recognize that God's done something, he wants to do something, then we wanna receive it into ourselves and then we forget that now God wants us to reproduce. It's not just for our four and no more. It's not just for church services. It's not just for a private club. You know, we're, we're a private club and we just let things happen in here. No, we better not. We got to reproduce this thing. This is why you got to keep going after more of God because it's not just about you. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. We got other people that need the kingdom of God. They need what God's doing in your life. So we got to go for it. We got to reproduce it. Here's the scripture. This, this, this uh, third step reproduces about demonstration. Demonstration. Matthew 10 says this, and as you go, say as you go. And so now the question is, as you go where? Yes. That's the answer. As you go, as you go where? Yes. Wherever you go. As you go to church? No, that's not what it says. It says, as you go. And I love how he leaves it open. As you go to work, as you go to the mailbox, as you pull your trash down to the corner, as you go to the store, as you go to school, are you getting the point? As you go, as you go. What are we supposed to do as we go? He tells us. As you go, preach. You're like, whoa, whoa, time out. That, that, that excludes me. I'm not a preacher. All the word preach means to talk. All of you can talk. I know some of you can talk. As you go, talk. And see, he says, as you go, here's what I want you to say. The kingdom of heaven, watch this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven has come near. And here's what happens when the kingdom comes. I want you to see the power of this. This is why we got to reproduce it. This is the power. This is the demonstration part. As you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Freely you recognized, freely you received, freely reproduce. Freely release it. Don't hoard it. Don't hold it to yourself, man. God's blessed me. God's done so much for me. Well, reproduce it. Reproduce it for others. Let other people see it. Look what he says in Luke 10, verse, verse 8. Whatever city you enter and they receive you as, as such things are set before you, eat them and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Here's the important part of the kingdom in reproducing it. It's about demonstration. We don't want to have theory. We don't want to just talk about a better message. We want to demonstrate the power of God. I was watching a video the other day and was talking, they went up to this young girl and, and they asked her if they could pray for her, if there's anything about her body that was hurting. And she said her, was, uh, her shoulder was hurting. It was in a foreign country, so they're working through an interpreter. So her shoulder was hurting. They said, can we pray for you? They didn't start out with the Romans road. They didn't start out saying, have you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? They didn't start out, they said, hey, can I pray for you? Is there anything hurting? So they prayed for her. Again, the foreign language, so worked through an interpreter. And they said, I want, you, I want you to test it out. They said, what's the pain level? It's about like a nine. And I said, well, okay, we'll pray for it. So they, they pray for it. And they said, I want you to test it out. I want you to try and raise it up. And she's standing there. She begins to raise it. And she turns to her friend. And her eyes start to get real big. And she's like, so they said, what's the pain level? They said, it's about like a five. Hey, let's pray again. Are you okay to pray again? She's a little squeamish. She's a little nervous. But she said, okay. So they pray again, and they said, I'll test it out. She raises it. She raises it all the way up, and when she did, tears started coming down her face. What did they do? They gave her the kingdom. They gave her the kingdom. Then they asked her if she wanted to know Jesus. Then they asked her if they wanted to have a relationship with Jesus. And you know what she said? It was so awesome what she said. She said, who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want this? And this is what I'm telling you, when we as a church operate in the kingdom, who wouldn't want that? But if we're trying to get them just into our way of thinking and we're just giving our, our, our bullet points of theory, then we're not going to change it. Because here's what the kingdom is, 1 Corinthians 4. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. It's in power. It's in demonstration. 1 Corinthians 2, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is why, friends, we've got to reproduce what God has done in our life because it's bigger than us. It's not about us. It's not about our own fears and reservations like, well, what, you know, I don't want to pray for people because that's a lot of pressure on me. And, and I, you know, what if I go to pray for them and nothing happens? What if something happens? Because what happens in our life, we've got to learn to love people more than we love ourselves. Here's what I mean by that. A lot of times what keeps us from reaching out and touching people is our own fear. We're not worried about whether they receive it or not as much as we're worried about whether we look bad or not. Oh. <laughs> We've got to love them enough to realize the power's not of me. I'm just trying to do something. I've got to realize the love for them compels me. That's what the Bible says. The love compels me to want to touch them. The love of God compels me to want to say something to them at the line at Walmart. I don't even know if this makes sense to you, but I just want you to know that God wants you to know that you're going to make it through this today, and he's going to strengthen you, and you're going to, you're going to overcome. Okay. You may have no idea what that's going to do, but if you'll do it, the power of God is what does the changing. Because we just read in that verse, it's not about persuasive words of man's wisdom. Because how many of you have done this? That you've said, well, I don't want to go up and talk to anybody because what if I don't know what to say? What if, what if I don't have the words? Or, or what if they have a question and I don't have the answer? It's very simple. If that happens, then you just say, I don't know. It's not hard. Just say you don't know. But what if... You don't trust your own persuasive words as much as you trust the power of God. 
So now, you may stumble over the presentation, but if you trust the power of God, you realize God can work through your stumbling effort in faith, and the power of God can touch them, even if you didn't make the most awesome presentation in the world. This is why it's not about persuasive words of man's wisdom. It's not about me and my eloquence to give them the Romans road, the perfect presentation on the gospel. I'm trying, okay, I can't remember that scripture. Somewhere in the Bible says something about all of sin. I, I don't know, but God just wants me to pray for you. Boom, the power of God hits them and now their life has changed because it's not about your persuasive words. It's about the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's bigger than us. So church, I'm asking you if we can engage in this core value to remember that the reason we want to go out and reach out to people and show them the love of God and, and extend grace towards them and, and minister to people is because it's not about our ability or inability, it's about his desire to love them and see their life change. Somebody reached out to me and the ripple effect of that, that every life that I reach, they get a benefit because somebody touched my life. So I'm saying to you, whose life will be changed because you flap your wings? We've gotta keep going. This is why we keep reaching. So let me give you a couple of these scriptures. Why do we keep inviting? Why do we keep reaching? Because we're, nev we're never satisfied. Why are we believing for a new sanctuary so we can minister more people? Why are we believing for new locations in the area so we can start in the locations? Why? Because we're building his kingdom, not ours. Because it's not about the numbers inside the church. Those numbers should not move us. If, we, if that happens, people start saying, you know what, look around. We got a great side church. We just need to calm down. The numbers inside the church don't move me. It's the numbers outside the church that motivate me. I'm not gonna be satisfied by, well, we got plenty of people. I think this would be, no, it, it, here's the numbers that move me. And I pray that they'll move you as you go because we got people coming from all around because Acts talked about in chapter two, you remember the, the Holy Spirit came and 3,000 people were saved in one day? That's a pretty powerful church service. How many knows if 3,000 people got saved in one day, it'd be a temptation to shut down your outreach for a little while. Be like, oh, 3,000, that's awesome. You know, that's, that's, that's great. Let's just relax for a little bit. But six verses later, the Bible says that people were added to the church daily. They weren't satisfied with 3,000. Here's, here's the numbers that impact me. I don't know where you're coming from, where you live. White County people, there's 6,000 people in White County that don't have the kingdom. 6,000 people that are unchurched. These are conservative numbers. 6,000 in one county. Have we got some stuff to do? Yeah. Uh, maybe you're coming from Wayne County. Maybe that doesn't resonate with you. You got 7,000 people. 7,000. You're Saline County people. 10,000 people unchurched in Saline County. 10,000. That means there could be 10 churches of 1,000 people raise up in Saline County and never touch a church member. This is why he said there should be no divisions among the churches. There are plenty of people to focus on. This is why we put a priority on winning the lost because we want to focus on the ones who have the heart of God. Those are far from him. Let me give you some other counties. Hamilton County, the Fox area, over 4,000 people. Gallatin County, 3,000 people unchurched. Edwards County, 2,000 people. Most everybody in Edwards County is saved. We all love Jesus from up there. No, just kidding. It's just a small county, small population, that's the only reason. Percentages are about the same. Jefferson County, 18,000 people in Jefferson County, unchurched. Posey County, Indiana, 13,000 people unchurched. Hardin County, 3,000 people unchurched. Williamson County, my peeps in Williamson County, 32,000 people unchurched in Williamson County. 32, 
8,000. Johnson County, 8,000 people. Union County, Kentucky, Kentucky people. 5,000 people unchurched in Union County. These are the numbers that makes us say we're building his kingdom, it's bigger than us. So this is why we wanna invite, this is why we wanna reach out, this is why we wanna do what God wants us to do, because we're not building our church, we're building kingdom inside of people. The kingdom of God is within you. This is not the kingdom, this, the kingdom of God is within 